welcome to the Proper Mental Podcast. Normalising open and honest conversations about mental health by having open and honest conversations about mental health. Welcome to episode 43 of the Proper Mental Podcast. And my guests, plural this week, are Rebecca and Sarah, who are the hosts of the A Drop in the Bucket podcast, which is available wherever you're listening to this one, I'd imagine. A Drop in the Bucket is a podcast that tells people stories of mental health and handling life stresses. And it uses the drop in the bucket stress analogy for what fills that bucket and what empties that bucket. And it's a really nice concept and they have some great guests and I think using that analogy really gets a lot out of the guests and a lot out of the conversation. So yeah it's a cool podcast and I recommend that you check it out. We recorded so I went on their podcast and then they came on with me so we did one of those podcast swapsies and we recorded two Thursdays in a row at the same time and both weeks uh, we talked loads before we started recording and we recorded for ages and then we chatted afterwards as well. So when we did this episode and I was asking them some questions, we kind of spent a lot of time hanging out and I really, I felt part of the gang. I felt like uh, Sarah and Becca, they're really, really good friends, you know, and they, they, they're very, very comfortable in each other's company. They're almost telepathic. I think that's how I describe it in the episode. You know, they finish each other's sentences. There's clearly like a really deep bond there. But rather than that closeness pushing people away, I think it draws people in. And I certainly felt part of the gang. And that really led lent something to this conversation, I think. It was a lot of fun for all of us. Yeah, it was really cool. And I didn't want to do that whole, when two podcasts do a swapsies, and it's all like, oh, how did you meet? You know, why did you start your podcast? I didn't want to do all that stuff. I wanted to keep it about mental health. And I wanted to see how I could get it to fit, I suppose, in amongst, you know, my my back catalogue. And so I decided to focus on Becca and Sarah's friendship. Because like I say, they are so, so close. And friendship is important in mental health. And I think sometimes if people are going through something... They don't know how to reach out to their friends. And I think sometimes if you're watching a friend go through something, you don't know how to reach out to them. And you don't know how to hold that space for them. And it can be really, really tricky, even with the closest of friends. So I really wanted to explore that a little bit. And we chat about how to support, how the, just how Rebecca and Sarah, how they support each other through the sort of challenges that life has thrown their way over the years. And that was that was lovely to hear, and it gave me a lot to think about. Uh, we also talk about religion, because they met at a uh, church community group, and that was really interesting as well. You know, the power of of just having faith, and the power of community, and bringing all these things together, was was really interesting, and it was lovely for them to hear them chat about you know what their faith means to them and how it helps them and guides them through life. Um, and we just talk a lot of life stuff, really. It's really good, really good fun. And I hope that you get a lot out of it, because I certainly did. Like I said at the start, you can listen to their podcast in all the usual places, probably wherever you're listening to this one. And if you would like to follow them on social media, it's at Drop in the Bucket Pod. And I think they're on all platforms. If you wanted to follow Sarah, it's at Sarah Brombles. And if you wanted to follow Rebecca, it's at Enneagram Psych. As always, if you want to connect with me, Instagram's your best bet, uh, at Proper Mental Podcast. I am on other social media, but Instagram is kind of my favourite place to, to hang out. If you get two minutes to leave me a review, it would be very, very much appreciated. I've been on a bit of a bit of a drive, bit of a push, bit of a beg for reviews recently. They seem to be quite hard to come by, and I could do with a few more. So... Um, my reviews has gone up recently so it seems to be working so I'll keep going for a little bit longer but yeah thank you to everyone who's left one so far and uh, 
yeah, if you haven't yet and you keep meaning to and you keep putting it off, press pause now and then go and do it and then come on and enjoy this episode. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash propermental or the link is in the episode notes and you can just buy me a virtual coffee. It's a couple of quid and that just goes into uh, it back into the podcast. It pays for hosting and websites and all that sort of stuff. You can also drop me an email if you want via the website. I don't know if I've said this already. I'm saying it again, propermentalpodcast.com if you want to get in touch with me that way. That's everything you need to know. I'm repeating my website address, so I've definitely said enough. Um, this is Proper Mental, episode 43, and my guests are Rebecca and Sarah from A Drop in the Bucket. Thank you very much for listening. Enjoy. Yeah, unless there's anything that I'm, I'm already recording, I always put that on early because otherwise I'll just forget. Um, and then everything pre my little intro, I'll just chop out. But unless there's anything you need from me, we'll just dive in, shall we? Should we just crack on? Yeah, let's go for it. Fantastic. So welcome to another episode of the Proper Mental Podcast. And this week I'm joined by Rebecca and Sarah from A Drop in the Bucket. How are you both? Good. Really love to be back here talking to you. Um, we yeah. were talking last week for our podcast, so that's it. This is the the reverse fixture, as I like to uh, I like to see it as a as a football fan. But, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's cool, man. No, thank you for joining me. I really, really appreciate. It. I had a lot of fun last week, so I'm looking forward to um, looking forward to doing it again. Yeah, it was good. It was nice to hear a bit more about your story and um, yeah, share our podcast with you. It's fun to be on yours now. Oh, mate, that's awesome. Yeah, I've got to warn you, I'm absolutely, um, and you two will probably know a bit about this, but it's September's lurgy month, isn't it? And I'm absolutely full of cold. You can probably hear it in my voice. So if I if I put myself on mute and disappear off the screen, just keep going. I'm just uh, just coughing a lung up or something, something like that. I am the same. I've been off work yesterday and today um, with with a lurgy. So thankfully not the the virus, but um, hopefully I'll be back in school tomorrow. But um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's back to school. All the kids bring bugs, don't they? Oh, mate, you must have had some classics in your your line of work, Sarah. Oh, yeah, pretty much September. And then just close to Christmas, I, you know, and I get used to it in a school. And then if you have to change schools, there's a whole new round of like um, bugs and like new viruses. And then your system again, you know, like everyone talks about freshers flu when they go to uni. It's that. It's yeah, the same yeah. thing. Um, so yeah, being in a new school this term has meant that um, new kids, new bugs, and I've I've clearly picked one up. So oh, mate. yeah, lots of um, yeah, lots of snot flying around, and we had all that. What did we have once? Um, hand, foot, and mouth. We all had that mm. once. Yeah, that was um, that was savage. Yeah, I'd never heard of it before. I was like, what foot and mouth? I thought that was what happened on farms. <laughs> but yeah, crikey. Anyway, I digress. Um, where I really wanted to start, guys, I was wondering if I, we could have a little bit um of chat about yourselves and specifically your friendship because um yeah i think that kind of that'll put a nice context to the episodes and sort of lead us into to where i'd like it to go but um how do you guys know each other and how long have you known each other actually we could probably give you to the day couldn't we um so what i've realized is so i sarah has always lived in the town that we now live in and we moved here about when about seven just over seven years ago um and I started going to the church that Sarah goes to and there was actually an event that was put on for kind of 18 to the 30s age group um a board games evening and I met Sarah for the first time there um and I keep a, a bit of a I suppose like a gratitude journal I call it my happy book where every day since the 1st of January 2014 I have written down one thing every day that's made me smile or that's been really good about the day and on this particular day I wrote oh I went to a really good board games evening at church met some lovely people so I actually have it documented the day that I met Sarah so I haven't got it to hand but I will let you know we could say exact date probably the exact time yeah Sarah um and I genuinely can't remember at what point we started becoming closer it kind of feels like I've always been close to you even though I know in my head that's obviously not true and, and our friendship took a while to to develop but I think that over time um we've just first of all I suppose it's you know like any friendship we've enjoyed similar things we've hung out together but we've both just I think we're both people that really like to have 
proper deep conversations. We're both people that really like to share our lives with people, not with everybody, but to have people that we can really do that with in a really deep and proper, authentic way. And because we both really liked that, I think we both just started opening up to each other about difficult stuff that was going on in our own lives. And the support that we found there has meant that it's felt like a really safe space to just continue doing that. And so it's just kind of, yeah, developed from there. Yeah, I think... um... I guess sort of to add to that I, I remember a little bit more how we became better friends which is that about a year or 18 months after Becca had moved um to our town um is when I had quite a big um kind of mental health period of ill mental health and um Becca was one of the few friends in my life who didn't shy away from it like she uh, just saw me and accepted me and supported me through it didn't try to fix me didn't try to like but it was just there listening like I remember crying on her sofa a lot um and I think for me like that really solidified you know that whole thing of like like true friends are ones that kind of show up and then don't go anywhere when times get tough like that was really it for me and then I think sort of the year after that Becca had some stuff and then I had some stuff and like just like kind of over time it's it's got deeper and deeper and to the point that now like there isn't really a day that goes by that we don't talk to each other in some context so um, yeah, there are even days where one of us will text the other one and go it'll be like nine ten o'clock at night and we'll just go just realized we haven't spoken today it feels weird just wanted to say hi <laughs> <laughs> oh that's nice I could tell speaking to you last week you know you've got it you're very very close you've got a very lovely friendship and even though you're in separate zoom windows on the screen you're kind of almost like telepathic in the way that you interact <laughs> so it's it's it was clear you're very close and um yeah I'm really interested in the idea of of that sort of um external support system for each other you know and when you when you're both going through stuff like you mentioned that must be incredibly important to have that that person that you can that you can lean on right yeah absolutely I think we're in very different positions as well because um as Sarah will probably say a little bit more about so I'm married I have a toddler Sarah is single she currently lives on her own but she has her family still living very close by so we both do have you know, very close and very available support networks outside of each other. But the way that we have kind of slotted into and welcomed each other into each other's families has been really, really, really lovely. Um, and we'll, you know, Sarah will sometimes joke about her being my wife. Um, and, you know, how sometimes Sarah and my husband seem to be interchangeable at times. But, um, but it, it just, I don't know, it just works for us, doesn't it? We've, we've, I've invited you into something, but it hasn't felt like, um, I can say this because <laughs> you know I don't really like this but you know you're not my sad single friend that I'm inviting to be part of my family with my marriage and everything um, because you have your own family and support network as well that you have equally really invited me into and her parents um say that they're my like Abingdon parents and, and Abingdon nanny and things like that so um yeah yeah I think um Becca makes a really good point that I um I really struggle with being single when a lot of our friends are kind of married with kids and um, uh, Becca and some of our other friends um, are people who never make me feel like less than because of it or like an extra part. Um, and I'm very fortunate as well that I have a really good friendship with her husband. So we, I, I realised the other day, because sometimes Becca texts me off his phone if she's turned hers off for the evening. But the only other reason that I tend to message her husband is to ask him to fix something around my house. And I realised how bad that was. I felt really bad that that's... Uh, but he loves it. He loves that. He's a quite like a handy kind of like fixer kind of thing. Um, and I'm godmother to her son. And yeah, and my parents have adopted her. And I think, you know... Um, I think as well, you know, beyond some of the the deeper stuff, which is obviously really important, we do just share a sense of humour, like this kind of quite sarcastic, little bit dark kind of, you know, deal with life kind of humour. And um, and actually in really difficult times, that's important. But it's also really important in good times. Like I, I, like Becca, I've never laughed harder than I do when I'm with Becca. And I think that is hugely important in a sustainable friendship that actually it's not just somebody who gets you through the hard times it's somebody that just makes you laugh and you have a good time with and you share interests with and things as well I think that's really important yeah definitely and I suppose that lays the, the foundation for when you do need that that shoulder right mm-hmm. and because when you it's really interesting isn't it when you talk about like um opening up within a friendship and, and chatting to your friend because 
yeah, it can be tricky, you know, to, to make that commitment to trust someone, particularly when we talk about mental health, you know, and stuff like that. It's, it's a big, it is a big ask, but if you're friends, then you're there to be asked. Right. But if, if that's part of the scary thing is putting it out there and not knowing how it's going to be received. You know, I remember when, um, when I wasn't very well and I didn't tell anyone, I barely told my wife, which is just such a blokey thing to do. And, I, you know, there's some friends, people I've known for years. And the first they ever heard of it was with me talking on this podcast and they were messaging me and saying like, oh, dude, why didn't you say anything? And, and like, when I thought about it, it's like, oh, I don't really know why I didn't say anything, you know? So to have that, that vibe, but the, the talking aspect really, really interests me as well, because when we look at um, statistics around mental health in the like uh, traditional gender roles of male and female, um, the stats actually show that, you know, a higher for mental health disorders and issues in women. And yet it's the male suicide rate is the stat that gets talked about. And obviously there's loads of like societal reasons and patriarchal reasons f- that are involved in that as well. But so much of that has got to be conversation, hasn't it? And the, the way that women are able, maybe more able to talk about these, these things. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we always say that, you know, one of the reasons that it is so easy to talk about the difficult things is because you never have to, we don't ever have to go to each other and go, oh, I've got something big that I want to talk about. But I kind of need to update you on like the last few weeks or the last few months because we know the small, seemingly mundane, little day in, day out things about each other's lives. It, there's, a, there's a natural kind of launching off point for more difficult conversations. And I think that as soon as you start to struggle with anything, it's natural to want to withdraw a little bit from people around you to hide some of that, whether that's because you really just don't feel like being around people or whether you do start to think, oh, they won't be interested or I don't know if I can trust them or anything like that. But as soon as you've withdrawn a little bit, a little bit, a little bit more, going to someone to have that kind of conversation, especially if you haven't been having the normal everyday conversations, is a much bigger deal. So in terms of saying, you know, oh, I didn't really tell anybody, if, if, you know, when I talk to my clients, I'm a psychologist, if I talk to my clients about opening up to somebody, it feels like a huge deal and people don't know where to start. Um, so I think that that's just a massive issue as well um, that we've never really had because, like I say, we talk all the time. And I think as well, like some of it might be a personality thing. Like I was completely opposite to you. I basically told everybody when I was struggling, I was really open about it. There was power in it for me. And um I, it almost became a bit of a, a freeing thing and feeling less alone because as soon as I told one person they went oh yeah no I suffered with depression a couple of years ago and I was like oh not just me then and I would tell somebody else and they go oh yeah I was on um search lean. what are you on and you know there would be these freeing conversations and I think maybe maybe because I'm I am single like I felt less alone in it by sharing it so much and being I think also as well I just have this real desire to be authentic and open and honest and 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 seen um so that was really different for me and, and that shows up in our friendship that you know I am um always kind of an open but but I think as well as Becca said like going back to kind of some of that that sharing and opening up it it snowballs on itself like you said about the fact that like we can kind of telepathically communicate with each other, but I can pick up on expressions that Becca has without her needing to say anything. I said something um, literally maybe a week ago, I was talking about um, the fact that um, I was feeling a lot of pressure about my dissertation and I didn't want to fail because I felt like I'd um, failed in not finding a permanent job right now and that, that all stems back to the fact that I need to be successful in my work life because I feel like I failed in not getting married and having children yet and the expression on Becca's face I saw it her heart hurt for me like I felt it hurt like her hurt for me and I'm not in a pitying way just in like a oh you're my friend and I love you and I didn't realize you felt like that and my heart breaks for you and that only comes with time like you're not going to have that conversation with someone that you don't have a deep friendship with and see that look on their face and and hear what they're feeling so some of it is about that is about the fact that actually those friendships take time they take experience they take building up and opening up you don't just suddenly have those friendships you don't just share one thing and then you're deep in it like we're we're it takes work much like a marriage does this like our kind of friendship 
this kind of relationship takes work it takes time and we're very fortunate we've had the time to do that yeah definitely do you um do you like spot stuff in each other so you know Sarah can you tell if you know Becca's having a bit of a a bad day and needs to talk you know do you get in there first before the phone rings is that how it works sometimes I think I think we do tend to tell each other pretty openly if we're not doing great I think we've got better at understanding how bad it could be from like quite a small message so we'll try and do things to ease the pressure for each other or just to try and say the right words or like you know um like drop a, like a treat round or like something like that like we'll try and do those kinds of things if we can um I know for me I really appreciate that Becca is is very good at seeing what I'm feeling from an outside perspective and helping me navigate whether I, it, it's a a low mood feeling I need to be worried about or whether or putting it into perspective and going well of course you're feeling bad about this this is something everyone would be feeling bad about and I I really appreciate that that she has the ability to know me well enough to do that yeah sure yeah. oh that's lovely yeah it's really uh yeah really nice to have that like I say to have that support network and you mentioned the um the church before and you know how obviously that's something that's important to you both and I was wondering how, because I've seen you mention it before on your socials and stuff like that. But when it comes to those tough times in life and whether it's mental health stuff or emotional stuff or how important it's having that, you know, having uh, having the church community and and religion itself as something to kind of, you know, kind of guide you through it or something to, to support you through it. Yeah, I think for me, I would say it's just this sense of never, ever being alone in, in both aspects. So obviously believing that you've got a relationship with God means that you believe that there's literally always someone there with you um, who can always is always listening to you, is always able to say, yeah, I get it. Isn't always going to jump in and kind of fix it in the way we might want. And, you know, I won't go into it in enormous detail now, but, you know, every person who has a faith and would say that they've all had times where they've really struggled with saying I'm really struggling so and I'm praying about this so why aren't you fixing it if you really loved me and you really cared about me and you really saw how much I was suffering then you'd fix it and um I think you know that's you know in better times that that's not how it works you're able to kind of tap into the theology of it and, and know but um again in those dark times what comes through as has always come through for me is just that sense of someone sitting there and holding your hand and going I'm here um and actually we a bit like Sarah's just said those times where you're feeling really down and and a, and a friend comes to you and says you know I can't fix this I can't make this better for you but you are not alone in it and they're able to just sit with you and hold your hand and sometimes do practical things but it's the being there it's the knowing you're not alone which matters and I think we're very blessed that we have that in our church community as well I think when when we first moved here and and yeah really tapped into this church I remember my husband saying church is a really weird place isn't it like we have a Facebook group for people who are in the church who sometimes that people just put requests on there for like first of all I'm having this issue in my life can people pray for me and sometimes it's I need a ladder has anyone got one and we've borrowed things off people and lent things to people that we didn't know before that but they're part of this community and there's just something about yeah we're here to just help each other out and or link you up with someone who can and and just make sure that I think, yeah, just no one's on their own and everyone knows that you're, you're cared about and, and you will continue to be cared about. And that's always been been so special and so precious for me. There's a running joke. There's a, a carpet cleaner that just doesn't <laughs> appear to really belong to anybody and just gets passed around every like couple of weeks. Someone goes, oh, what? Do you know who had the carpet cleaner last? And they're like, oh, yeah, it's so-and-so. And it gets passed to somebody else. And it just, it's one of the, you know, it's, a wonderful thing oh, yeah I was um I was reflecting on this earlier this week that when the pandemic started obviously there was a lot done kind of in local communities in terms of uh, response making sure people were taken care of that prescriptions were being picked up all that kind of thing and um, by the time our town had kind of sorted that out you know which only took sort of two three weeks our church had already done it for our church community and kind of their neighbors um you know we already had those things set up because we were already doing a lot of it for for each other and I think I'm very fortunate I've grown up here I'm in the same church I have been my whole life I've got people who are you know additional aunts uncles grandparents brothers sisters children you know like I I'm very fortunate in in that and um 
it is it is really important um from a mental health point of view and it is really important from a faith point of view you know we're very fortunate our church has a food bank that's been the busiest it's ever been through the pandemic um we have a kind of rotor system that um parents who've just had newborn children we arrange for meals to be delivered to them for the first week after their child's born. We've had health, we know of health visitors in our community who have told people to join our church in order to benefit from that. Like when they first have kids, we want to be that. Like we want to be helpful to the community. We want to be loving to the community. So, you know, that is really important to us and, and kind of to, to all that we do. So, so yeah, thank you for asking. Appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, the community is just so, so important for like well-being in general, you know, and it's something in modern life that just comes harder and harder to come by. It should be this natural thing and we're not. So we have to make our own communities. Right. And I think it's so important to talk about and to explore all different aspects because that everybody needs something different. And we need communities for everyone, right? So the more we talk about these different comings together, the more people can hear it and go, I never thought of that. You know, like, of course, maybe people have moved away from the church and not even thought of it. And they might hear you talking about it, think, oh, do you know what? I'm, you know, I might go back. And um, I mean, I'm not particularly religious myself. I believe in a higher power and I definitely believe in the power of faith. But I come from a very religious family. And my grandparents were very involved in our local church, which is a very South Walian small village thing to do. And my mum and my auntie still go on a regular basis. And whenever as a family we go through like live stuff, um, you know, you can see the sense of comfort that it brings you like to my mother and to my, to my nan, when she was alive, you know, when like horrible things were happening, you can really see where that, that piece comes from. And I just think like from a, a mental health perspective, it's something that's maybe not, not talked about, talked about enough, you know, but also it's a piece. Sorry. I was going to say it's a piece that is different from what we would consider to be like a mental health, general well-being sense of peace. So I know something that has, you know, the, the church definitely doesn't always get stuff right. Absolutely. And there are certain topics that aren't discussed in church as much as they should be or could be. Um, but I think one of the difficulties that has or can come up sometimes is um, when there isn't, because as you said, generally in society, there is still a, a, a real lack of understanding about mental health um, and a, a bit of a reluctance to talk about it at times, I think. And I think that some people have experienced not necessarily intentionally, but slightly harmful messages um, from faith communities um, to do with their mental health along the lines of, you know, you just have to have more faith or you just have to pray more, which ends up making it feel as though it's somehow your fault in a way that it never would if you were praying about a physical health condition or something like that. So, um, and using phrases like the joy of the Lord, you know, I, I, I genuinely believe that that is separate from our um, kind of our emotional well-being and our mental health even though it's all interconnected we would say it's absolutely interconnected but you can't say that because someone is struggling with their mental health they don't have a strong faith or if someone has a strong faith that that will protect them against the you know the difficulties of this world it's, it's just not how it works and and so generally I think we all need to get better at just appreciating that even if we can't really understand it because it is really complex but just knowing that and you've probably got more to say about that Sarah yeah I was just gonna, I, that was the point I was going to then make was you know um it you know we both have very strong faiths and I I really appreciate the fact that I haven't ever felt um completely alone but that didn't stop me from being in one of the loneliest periods of my life it didn't stop me being depressed it didn't stop me thinking about ending my life it didn't stop any of that um because actually it's it's mental ill health it's you know it's chemicals in your brain that are, are at the wrong levels in the wrong way it's the same as breaking your leg and as much as I do fully believe it, that God can heal people he doesn't always do that and I'm I'm humble enough to say I don't understand that and I'm never going to understand that and that's okay God's bigger than I am um but I've sat in in church services where you know people have said you know, if you truly knew the joy of the Lord, you'd never be depressed. And I was like, that's not true. <laughs> like, you know, and, or, you know, actually we just need, you just need to pray, yeah, pray hard or any of those things. It's like, you wouldn't say that to somebody who had a physical injury. You wouldn't say that to somebody who had a physical disability. You wouldn't say, or oh, if you prayed harder, you'd be healed. Like that's, that's not, that's not okay. And I think, 
you know, we're very fortunate we are in a church that does talk about mental health and is increasingly talking about it more. Um, and nobody does it with bad intentions. But, you know, if you if you are caught on a bad day with that kind of message, that can be really damaging. And I think um, the church is incredibly slow in moving forward in things. It takes a lot of time for change, um, but it is it is changing. Um, but I think, you know, um, yeah, it is worth saying that having a strong faith um believing in something having hope in in something doesn't change that those feelings can still those dark times can still come yeah sure it's just i suppose it's just another another tool right i know something you can use to kind of yeah to get to get through a little bit when you're struggling in in your own way and it just goes to show as well like what you just said that when it comes to the mental health conversation like the stigma is everywhere it doesn't matter whether we're talking about you know gender or religion or anything at all you know it's uh, and that's why these conversations are just so important and yeah. and going back to some of what we touched on before you know the kind of patriarchal context of things is strong in the church like that kind of what the male figure looks like versus what females are that is strong in the church and I think actually um you know that that makes it hard as well you know for for men generally but um that doesn't help any of that yeah sure I mean the patriarchy doesn't serve any of us in my opinion you know it's <laughs> it's just a mess but oh, that's probably a whole whole spin-off uh, episode rabbit hole to, next to week go down right to. Next, yeah, week. <laughs> next week next Thursday evening yeah we'll get on it yeah definitely and um, you mentioned there Sarah earlier you mentioned talking about um uh, you know how you how happy you are to talk and how open you are and stuff like that and I was just wondering um for you both really how that's changed since having your podcast when you spend so much time now talking about these things because it kind of for me sometimes I almost have to and I'm learning this the hard way really but I can tell when I've I've, I'm very happy to talk I can tell when I've talked too much you know like afterwards when I kind of think like oh that was heavy I need a week where I don't talk about mental health you know like and have you do you have to kind of navigate that a little bit when you know planning podcast episodes researching them talking them there's a lot that kind of goes into it and I'm really fascinated about the idea of talking in general because the message is it's good to talk, but I think that's a little bit too simple, isn't it? And we need to, like, it's handy if we dig around in how challenging it is to talk and sometimes how you feel after you've talked because it's the first step in the right direction, but it doesn't always feel great, does it? Well, it, it is good to talk, but it's good to be listened to and it's good to be respected and it's good to be understood and it's good for those conversations to be welcomed. Um, and I think that that's also a really difficult thing is that it is always a bit of a risk when you like you said when you open up you don't know how someone else is going to be res to respond and if you are very blessed to have the kind of people around you who on the day that you catch them as well respond in a way that you feel very held um and like and that's safe enough to do that again then great that's what you'll do again but lots of people have had lots of experiences of testing the waters somewhere somehow and and it not going well and it doesn't even need to be that the other person has necessarily done anything very wrong it's just that that's not what they were hoping for or it's not what they really needed to hear or because you know when you are in a really dark place you do interpret things differently as well and it's difficult for people to get it right so I think that what's been actually really fantastic about our podcast is that we we you know we didn't start it by any means thinking that we are experts and so we will invite guests on to share our expertise um but we know that we've got a kind of we do have knowledge either professional knowledge or personal knowledge and a, a lot of enthusiasm for this as well um to be able to create that platform but we learn something new every time and we're actually going to do um uh, kind of a, another episode of our podcast um when it's kind of our two year anniversary, where we're going to redo the first episodes we did where we interviewed each other and ask each other the same questions because we know that we're gonna say some of the same stuff, but some different stuff, not necessarily because anything's changed, might be because things have changed because we do change, but because we have a greater understanding of ourselves because other people have been able to share something of their, of their experience. And I think that that's what's really happened in our friendship as well, as well as other relationships that we've got. 
but being given that space to explore who you are helps you to understand better who you are and other people do see things in you and Sarah will see something in me but she won't tell me who I am she'll ask she'll wonder she'll say oh is this because of such and such and I'm allowed to say actually no let me clarify that's because I'm feeling this and it's a safe space to be able to do that it's a safe space to be able to disagree it's a safe space to be able to go you've assumed something about me but you've got that wrong and what she'll do is go oh right great that's great that I know a thing about you now and that I understand that better um and we won't bore you by talking about a particular um kind of system that we've we've used to, to do this over the last couple of years but we've um i think we've both really benefited from using something called the enneagram to understand it's on, um, it's on my list to ask you about yeah. oh my god great so we've both really benefited from that because we've been able to see where we're different and we've been able to value those differences kind of be curious about those differences and then say okay, neither one of us is right or wrong. We just need to know that that's the case. So we're not making assumptions about what the other person needs or how they're going to react or be or anything like that. Um, And I think, again, that's what's really crucial when we say it's it's good to talk. If someone comes to you and they want to have those kind of conversations, you've got to be so open and so humble and go, I'm I'm not going to know so much of this and I've got to ask and I can't assume and I can't just give you what I think you need or what I would want. Um, and and if it doesn't make sense to me, it doesn't mean either of us is in a position of doing it wrong. We just need to figure it out together. And um, but like Sarah said, that takes a lot of time. Mm. Yeah, definitely. It's important. I love the idea of kind of like yeah, fig- figuring stuff out in the in the moment as well. Because sometimes with difficult conversations, we almost get. I think a lot of the times people don't talk about them because they're so scared of making mistakes, particularly in this like modern life where, you know, trial by social media is quite common and, you know, people don't want to put themselves out there. So I think it is really important to, um, to be able to do that, to have a space where you can, where you can do that. You know, ignorance is fine as long as you know you're ignorant and you're trying to do something about it. Right. You know, and do you have a, do you have a moment, uh, both of you from the podcast or a particular guest or something that, you know, you've come across that's really like, hit home in the moment and really made you think, oh, crikey, you know, like in reference to yourself or a, or a situation or anything like that? Yeah, for me, it was um, one of our, I think it's like our third or fourth episode with um, a lovely lady called Rowan on, who's an author. And um, she talked about anxiety and about the, the I, she, I'm going to mess it up, but she said something along the lines of, um, I'm better once I realise that, um, I'm feeling anxious because I care so much like it's kind of like a positive Beck will find it but like it's kind of a positive see it as a positive thing it's because you care so much that's why I'm feeling anxious about it and I I remember sitting there going oh like I felt that in my gut not only that that was a great way to view things but that I hadn't been viewing it that way and I think that was the first time in in doing the podcast that I I realized how much I was gonna we were gonna learn from doing it that it wasn't just about let's have these conversations for other people um but actually you know it, it, it helps us too Becca's got the got the yeah So she said, when I'm feeling anxious, although it's a horrible feeling, part of my brain is telling me there's something that is precious to me that I'm afraid of losing. And maybe I could think about its preciousness. Wow. Yeah. That's nice, right? Yeah. And so like that for me really went, oh, right. And from then, from then on, I think, um, you know, Becca's joke before about I could, I could talk about myself quite a lot. I'm very open about it. I'll, I'll talk for ages about it. I'm very conscious when we are doing the podcast that I don't want to do that, that it's a giving space for the people that we're with and it's fine to reference my own experience or to kind of sympathize, but I don't want to go too much into just repeating my own story. Um, and so, but, but that became quite a different way of viewing the podcast that actually I, there was space for, for me to still get something out of it. I know that sounds really selfish, doesn't it? But like, but for you know for me to be able to grow in it as well um and so from then on every episode we've done I feel like I've got something from it um and actually you know some I've got loads from so um yeah that for me that was kind of the moment that that um impacted me yeah I think oh I would I would find it really difficult to pinpoint one particular moment but I think the two things that I've been really struck by are people's bravery when they come on and start talking about stuff because we have interviewed some people that we 
we know and we knew their stories anyway and we wouldn't necessarily have been surprised about any of it but there's always been something you know a little bit new in their experiences but there have been other people that we've been invited on that we've asked to speak from a particular perspective um so for example we had um lovely lady called Shelley on who um has a, a um, a website and Instagram account called Ivy's Library. Um, and I found her because I, um, she does children's book reviews. Like, um, and, and I thought, oh, it'd be really interesting to have her to come on and talk about kind of reading in terms of promoting well-being and how that plays a role and, um, and, and books that are really good for, for reading about mental health and talking to children about mental health and things like that. And she came, and so I asked her to come on and speak about that. And she came on, she absolutely blew us away with her own story of depression and panic attacks and stuff. And I just went, whoa, I didn't ask you to talk about any of that specifically. You know, you, you came on and you were just really brave in opening up about that and they've just been the most fantastic conversations for everybody that was just one that I think surprised me particularly um at just how willing people have been to come on and share and everyone has said well you know even if another person gets something out of this and feels connected and people's willingness to give of themselves has just been amazing and I'm not saying that everyone has to do that not everyone has to come on a podcast and and tell the world about their story um but for those people who feel like they're in a good enough place to be able to do that and that that would feel safe for them and and would benefit them as well um I've been really blown away by that and also just how much we genuinely love the people that have been on our podcast like we feel like we've just created this new little family we've got this new group of friends and we say after some of them like we hang up and Sarah's texting me and I'm like they're gonna be my new best friend and we did that after last week with you we interviewed you and we were like he's gonna be our best friend too because we've we've really just really loved talking to people really loved connecting with people um and yeah, I just, I love making friends. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So there is something really, really nice about it, isn't it? And I think when you're talking about difficult subjects, you do kind of maybe bond a little bit quicker because you cut, you cut out no small talk. Let's get, let's get straight into the good old fashioned depression and <laughs> and kick off from there. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we do. We ask people, tell us a little bit about yourself and your experiences of mental health. Boom. <laughs> yeah, straight in. Yeah, no, it's great. And I think, yeah, coming from all these different angles you know to the conversation about mental health the more different people can have these conversations in, in different ways and that relatability is powerful i say that all the time but it's uh, i you know i credit it to playing a part in saving my own saving my own life really you know it's but hearing other people talk and hearing other people share and like you say not everyone has to it's not for everyone and sometimes i wish it wasn't for me but um you know but it it, it 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 just you know it does help doesn't it to it helps to talk and it helps to listen like you say that's that's a, a really important point yeah and we have had some people that we've approached to be guests who have kind of come back and said I'm just not ready to do that right now and that's okay like you know we're not going to force anybody to come and share their story um and you know Becca's said this on our podcast before but like you know um people come to to our podcast both our podcast you know on a day when they're feeling able to do it and I think actually that's really important to say just from for like a from a listener perspective that you know people have come on a day where they're able to do that and we've we've both had to rearrange because you know we're not ready to do it um for you know for our own podcast so actually um you know I think it's it's important that when you hear somebody share their story don't go oh I'm not that brave you're not that brave today and that's okay and actually maybe tomorrow you will be or next month or next year or or never and that you know nobody's nobody has the right to your story actually you have the right to your story and I think hopefully we just facilitate conversations when people are ready to share that in a space that makes them feel safe Mm, that's such a beautiful way of putting it I love that like I've, I've always like loved the idea of this like a uh, utopian society where we can just talk about these things when we want to and when we need to and just yeah just have that have that space for it that's beautiful yeah you mentioned the um, Enneagram system before and that was on my list to chat about so I did a test in build-up for this evening and uh, so I'm a number six apparently so let's uh can you sort of explain a little a little background to that to people listening and like thinking what on earth are they what on earth is the number six but yeah so what what is this this system oh my gosh so sorry this this podcast is now going to be three hours long um so <laughs> the enneagram is something that we we both discovered um I think a friend introduced us to it a few years ago um and I I came back to it and got hooked a little earlier than Sarah did 
um, and then managed to get Sarah hooked into it as well, basically. Um, and I've ended up training in it and becoming a, an Enneagram coach. And Sarah is part of a kind of a monthly membership that receives some group coaching as well. So we've both dived quite deep into it. Um, but in a nutshell, it is a model of personality based on the idea of nine core types, um, which I suppose people might think it's a bit like the colours test or the Myers-Briggs. But what I really love about it is that it isn't just descriptive. It's not just to tell you what kind of this is your personality. Um, it's, it's about saying there's lots of different facets to personality. Maybe in an ideal world, if we were all kind of perfect, um, we would have equal access to all of these different aspects of personality. Um, but we're not. And so we end up developing certain ways of um, surviving in the world, I suppose. Um, and, and we end up navigating more towards one core type. Um, and the, the types are all defined really um, by the, the core motivation. So the, the desires and the fears that drive you the most. But it's a it's a model of growth. So it's saying, OK, this might be the box that you're in at the moment, but how do we help you to get out of it? How do we help you to lean into the other numbers? Um, and it's a bit of a more of a complex system in terms of every number is linked to another in some sort of way. So there are some numbers that you might have more access to, if that makes sense, in terms of um, leaning into those parts of personality and noticing when they might come up in you in different times. So when you're feeling more stressed or when you're feeling more safe. But the idea is that you can do work on yourself to access all all of those different areas um, it just depends on how much effort and work you want to put into it and how interested you are in that particular way and also what you think is going to be useful for you um, but we we just absolutely love it I don't know whether that's an explanation that makes enough sense yeah um, yeah but, and, and you can you can do it in, like in so many degrees so if you look at anything to do with the Enneagram on Instagram for example you'll find accounts that are fairly pop psychology um and it's all about you know like which Disney character are you if you're a whatever you know number or um which particular Starbucks drink would you be um other coffee shops are available um but you can also dive like really really deep to a point where the kind of description of yourself is the real starting point, but then it goes deep and it gets complex. And it's, I, I, you know, a lifelong journey. People who've been teaching and, and um, working with the Enneagram for, for years and years and years would still say that they are, you know, they're still pressing, so they're still learning something new every day um, because you never stop growing. Actually, we need to, to never stop wanting to learn. We need to never stop wanting to improve ourselves, but also uh, it's about understanding the rest of the world. So if, if you know, I'm a number two, um, so it's not just enough for me to sit here and learn all about tunus um, and what it means to be a two and improve in my tunus. And you know, I need to understand what it means to be a three, to be a seven, to be an eight, because I'm going to come across people who are that um, or identify more strongly as that. And it's really important that if I'd like, so Sarah is a completely different number to me. And there are ways in which I would have said we were really similar early on. Um, and you realize that they're fairly superficial ways and they're superficial in a way that that's, that's fine. Like it might be something that connects you at an early stage, but then when the differences start to show up, when you see that there's a bit of friction and, you know, a lot of conflict is basically a matter of looking at the way someone else is dealing with the situation and going, well, I wouldn't do it like that. And so understanding, oh, I wonder why that person is responding in that way. I wonder what they're thinking and what they need right now, because it's clearly something different from what I would be doing, as opposed to seeing that other person as wrong or just trying to wind you up. So uh, it's, it's, I've just found it unbelievably useful in my own life for understanding my closest relationships, but also then um, sometimes, you know, thinking about what it might mean for my clients. I work with children and adolescents, so I don't use the Enneagram um, because I, I'm, I kind of can't. It's not an evidence-based model to use in my NHS work, but also it, you kind of you would use it very, very lightly with children and adolescents because they're still developing so much. There's still so much about their personalities developing that you've got to just give that space before you start kind of putting any labels on things I think um I'm gonna start talking now and let Sarah jump in because I could honestly talk about this for hours <laughs> I think I I was just gonna add the other one of the reasons I really love the Enneagram is that it gives space for both acceptance of exactly who you are and that it's okay that you're not the same as other people whilst also challenging you to grow to be a better version of who you are and I think having that tension within something it's, it's just the first thing I've come across that has really enabled me to feel both absolutely content in who I am and how I respond to things and how I process things 
whilst also encouraging me to make sure that I'm doing that to the best of my ability and making sure that I am learning about other people and learning about myself and not living in an unhealthy space uh, or an unhealthy way of coping with things. Um, And I think, you know, um, I sort of discovered it about a month or two before the pandemic and um, it has been life changing for me in terms like joining this group and kind of having this space to kind of be coached through some of the things that I was struggling with and, you know, I think um, I think it's just made a big difference and it has made a massive difference to our friendship. You know, I think we were already pretty good at understanding each other, but this has kind of given us a, a different language, I guess, for, for maybe identifying those things and um, having permission for actually, oh, like you deal with that differently and, and that's that's OK. And I can see that now and I can understand that a little bit better. And um, I now know that actually I maybe I need to change how I present that to you or I need to think about how I what assumptions I make about how you might respond to something so um yeah it's been been really helpful for us Mm. I mean anything that kind of helps us to think and you know about other people's perspective and how they feel and react to stuff I think is huge you know that helped really gonna help to create a more a more um compassionate society you know where people work better together but I was kind of think of it as well in terms of in terms of like mental ill health really and so many factors in mental health are societal and so much of it comes down to programming and personality and you know all this sort of stuff and why we find ourselves in these situations that over a long period of time have a negative impact on our mental health whether it's decisions we make regarding relationships or jobs or where we live or who we associate with and all these different things and I I really like the idea of having a guide that can help you to not a guide that's probably the wrong word but having a system where you can uncover more of yourself and then find out more about you and what makes you tick and then start to look for things that align with that and maybe because sometimes when you get caught in these societal traps and it is affecting you mentally sometimes it's you think like how do I get out of this you know how do why don't I like it everyone else likes this why don't I like it why am I struggling there's all that sort of stuff but I think if we can understand ourselves then you can really start to work to improve yeah you know your mental health and certainly the things in your environment that affect it if I kind of think I've got that right that was a very rambly half question there but um am I on the right track with that guys yeah but also you know we've spoken before um on our podcast about the idea that a lot of the time the world is set up for certain types of people certain environments are set up for certain types of people even you know schools are set up for certain types of learners um, and certain types of children and it's you a lot of people can get by in situations but they wouldn't necessarily thrive and they would just see that as feeling like they're supposed to be fitting a box and there's something a little bit wrong with them and we've all got to kind of somehow navigate towards the norm understanding that there's lots of different ways of being and there's lots of different ways of being okay (laughs) lots of different ways of being well and all of them need to be respected is really important and that requires work not only from each individual to learn how to accept themselves but a shift in the world in general to be more accepting and more accommodating and more flexible about the way that anything is set up schools workplaces you know just absolutely anything um so that if someone walks in and doesn't seem to immediately fit that's not a problem. And again, people approach that with curiosity and humility rather than saying, no, I'm sorry, you either have to leave or you have to change. Um, and obviously there are times where we we do need to change. Um, it would be helpful for us to change, but not the, not the essence of who we are. Um, and I feel like a lot of the time, a lot of the people that I see who struggle a lot have at some point being given the message that they are not okay fundamentally who they are is not okay they've got to change that and of course you can't you can try you can deny you can suppress but I believe and you know from a faith perspective I believe that we were all made to be who we were made to be Um, and you can try and change that but ultimately something in you will always cry out this isn't right Um, but again it comes back to that's hard because it's work we have to do for ourselves and self-acceptance is so important but that can be such a difficult task if other people around are not respecting um your journey yeah yeah i love that that's really really powerful i kind of um i think about that stuff a lot you know and how yeah how we how we're made to think and feel about ourselves then impacts you know the bigger picture and like you might find that you, the, yourselves as well of all these different conversations with all different 
aspect of mental health and mental illness and all these different things. And sometimes I feel like, um, although the, the diagnosis, if there is an official one or not, but the diagnosis or whatever name that we're going to use, whatever label might be very, very different. And the, the symptoms and the experience of these situations might be very different, but sometimes the underlying stuff, there's a lot of overlap there, isn't there? There's a lot of, you know, so what could cause someone to be really, really depressed could cause someone to have panic attacks. But when you drill down, because with mental health, there's often a thing. And then behind the thing, there's a thing. And then behind the thing, there's a thing, there's a thing, right? And when we get down to the thing, it's often about yeah your place in the world and like you say being told that you are not enough and you know either that you're not being seen or trying to avoid being seen and and things like that really yeah 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 I think I think it comes a lot of it ends up coming back to feeling that you're that something is wrong like that you know what whether that's everything's too much as in it's that's what's wrong whether it's I'm not enough and that's what's feeling wrong but something feels something is off balance something is not right um and I think most as far as I can think in my head right now most mental illness comes back to one of those things feeling out of place and and um whether that is true or not doesn't matter (laughs) um actually it feels true in that moment which means it which means it is true basically it's true for you in that moment and um and I think actually the more work you do to feel right in yourself in the world the further away you get from though that kind of um unsettledness and and feeling that you're in a wrong like in a wrong kind of place doesn't stop it always but um I think it kind of um offsets it i guess yeah definitely is there a good starting point for the enneagram if people are listening and thinking do you know what that sounds like something uh something i could i could use you know is there a uh i don't know a, a national society of enneagrammers or how does it how do people uh how do people find out a bit more about that yeah so um there is something called the um the enneagram institute which is um, an american website but it's got a lot of really good information on it really comprehensive descriptions of types and um some of the other complexities of the enneagram system called like wings and arrows and it explains what all of those are really really well there's a lot of very good books as well um that again so I've, I've got one that's basically like a textbook <laughs> of people who don't want to dive in that that far um there's a really fantastic book called the road back to you um by suzanne stabile and ian morgan crom which um again is is very easy to read it's very accessible um there's a podcast as well called the road back to you which interviews people who identify as different types um, about what it's like to be them which is just so eye-opening that's where i discovered my type um by listening to them interviewing a type two and and uh, he kind of said something that really hit the core of me. And I just burst into tears on this bus on the way to London, jumped off it at the other end and said to my mum, you need to find out what number you are. I've just found this thing. Um, but I think a really important thing to note is that um, because the Enneagram is all around your core motivations, the idea is that you can't actually ever tell anybody else what they are. So as an Enneagram coach, I would say my, my role is to help people discover, but then own that and claim that for themselves. I wouldn't ever sit there and say, you are a whatever, especially if that person disagreed with me. That's not my, it's not a diagnostic thing. People need to come to that for themselves. So you can absolutely take tests. And I think tests can be a really great starting point, even if it's just identifying a few numbers that maybe that that's me. And then a few numbers that absolutely definitely aren't. Um, But I would say to people always read a little bit more, look at the descriptions, really think about what, what speaks to you, what doesn't seem to fit for you at all. Um, And, and yeah, be willing to have some conversations with people about it, I suppose. Um, If I do slight plug um, on my website, my Instagram page, um, there's a link to a typing guide that you can download for free. um, That again, just spells all that out. Um, but I'd say, yeah, if you're if you're interested, you don't have to dive in with both feet. You can kind of dip a toe and then go back and dip a toe at a later stage. Um, but even I think just looking at all of the different types and being aware of that range of human experience is a, is a really good starting point. But yeah, I, I was going to add. I was thinking about with you, I was like, you just need to go to Becca's um, Instagram, <laughs> basically at Enneagram Psych. It had like 
if you want things in just like a little bit more of a bite-sized chunk in terms of kind of um those nice tiles um Becca has all that on her Instagram so do go and like look at that that's a great place to start oh mate yeah I'll put the um I'll make sure the links are in the episode notes and all that all that sort of stuff yeah definitely and just um yeah as we just start to wrap up where are we at with the um with the podcast what you what your plans are you keeping on going are you um you know have you got anything in the works yeah so we release monthly now so when we first started we released every week um we did I think 12 in like our first season effectively and then we took a bit of a month or two off and then we did like another 12 um and then as we headed into uh, this year we decided to start doing monthly it just made uh, more sense for us from kind of a workload uh, point of view um so we we now have our guests book slash recorded up until mid 2022 so um things fill up quicker when you do it once a month <laughs> um and yeah we've got some um we've got some really exciting things we've obviously got you coming up obviously obviously um um and uh yeah we're going to do our kind of uh review um, that's a fantastic idea i look forward to that one yeah what a wicked uh, wicked way of looking at it yeah that's awesome yeah. yeah we're always really you know we're, we're really excited about kind of some of the guests uh that we've got on oh should I tell the story of the one guest we didn't ever quite got but almost got is this my oh. chance to tell this story I'm can here for you, it if it can, is can you I don't yes. know well you, you can't yeah, you can't not if, now what if they listen and but don't want to make it feel bad I don't I'm not going to tell it like it's a bad thing I completely understand it it was like an almost <laughs> Let yeah. me tell it, and then if you don't like it, Tom can edit it out. How's That's that it. We'll, uh, yeah, we'll cut it, man. If it's too scandalous, we'll uh, we'll cut it out. It's not okay. scandalous. This is just my thing of, of going like, oh, but what if this person heard it? Yeah, go I'm pretty, it, I'm pretty sure. Whoever it is, I'm pretty sure they're not thinks. listening. Okay. And who knows? Who knows? Okay, so back when I went through this phase of like, who do we want on our podcast? Who do we follow? Who might we be able to ask? And we reached out to like the highest of heights. We messaged Beyonce. We messaged Michelle Obama. Like we were reaching out. And then I remembered someone who followed me on Twitter, which is Jonathan Ross. And so I messaged Jonathan Ross on Twitter and said, um, my name's Sarah. I'm shooting my shot. Me and my best friend Becca run a podcast. Do you want to come be on our get- a guest on our show? He responded, yeah, I'll do it. right I know and so then he and I had this back and forth conversation where I was like okay great like when do you want to record and he was like I'll get in contact in the new year and I was like okay I will got in contact in the new year we were trying to sort out some dates and we'd fixed it for like mid-February or something um and then I didn't hear back from him um for a little bit and me in my like really ballsy kind of way basically went okay, I think we're just going to have to say that we pass on Jonathan Ross. <laughs> <laughs> so I messaged him and said, thank you so much for agreeing to be on it. Um, but I think we're going to have to go with guests who can commit to recording dates. Like, like we're that popular. <laughs> and bless his heart, he replied and said he'd had some family stuff going on, completely understandable. And he did explain um, and so we could get in contact again in the future, which I like, bless you, know, bless his heart. Like he clearly had a lot going on and it was middle pandemic and all that kind of stuff. But that was our almost, our almost guess. And I will, I will dine out on that story for years to come. Cause I have Twitter, com- like a Twitter DM conversation, me and Jonathan Ross just going way back. Like, Mate. like we're mates. I like, we, what do we, JR, we used to just be like, oh, JR's messaged. <laughs> <laughs> I think, Tom was getting, I think Tom was getting really excited at the beginning there when you were talking about Beyonce and Michelle Obama and then it kind of like no offense Jonathan Ross it did drop a, a little a little notch but um <laughs> yeah I think um one of the one of the really lovely things that we do is that we regularly have what we call business meetings about our podcast so um it can get really easy to get to a point in the year where you realize like oh no we really need to be booking more guests or reaching out and obviously we all have times where um you just not as enthused about something like we're not as enthused about doing stuff for the Instagram account or um it just feels like that little bit more effort to do the editing or the recording or whatever um and we've always said that we really want this to be something that we we always enjoy and if at any point we're not enjoying it then we won't be we won't do it anymore or we'll take a break or whatever and it got to the point where I said um 
you know, it, it's a lot editing wise to be doing it, doing it weekly. It's a lot of pressure and I'm feeling like I'm not being able to fit in as, as many other things during that recording season as I would like to be doing. And, um, and so we kind of troubleshooted and we came up with a few different options and, and we landed on actually if we can do it monthly, that means that we can have times of the year like we have done over the, the summer where we do more bursts of recording um, that fit more easily with with workload and, and enable us to kind of have that bit of a, um, a bank that takes the pressure off the editing. And I think it's, it's working really well for us. So um, it's, it's made me realize there's, there's lots of things in our life that we could do with doing that a little bit more and just taking stock and saying, okay, well, we've been doing something a particular way for a while, but is it still working for us? And if not, we can change it and that's okay. Um, I think we go on autopilot a lot or think that because we've signed up to doing something a particular way that we've got to continue. And, um, you know, it's all oh, people going to miss it coming out once a week. And we're like, again, I know that there's a lot of people that really love our podcast, but it's not like we're letting people down um no one's paying for it um people still really love to hear from us they'd rather hear the conversations that are done really well that we're putting our heart and soul into so yeah mm. and there's, there's, sorry sarah that's just a really lovely analogy for life isn't it you know it's just step it stepping back to you know to yeah do things a bit differently and and yeah look after yourself yeah sorry Sarah I just jumped in I was gonna say and coming back to kind of our friendship I think having the the business meetings is really important for us because we talk every day so we do talk podcast stuff kind of on the go sometimes but actually taking that time together to a do practical things like planning things out but also taking stock of are we both still enjoying this are we happy with kind of the stories we've been telling what what stories haven't we told yet or you know what kinds of guests haven't we reached yet that we'd love to be able to do and I think that's really important when you have quite a lot of familiarity with somebody actually to be able to separate things out and go we are having a business meeting to talk about the podcast and actually to just put the focus on that and and making sure that we're both both still kind of okay with where it's at you know I'm very conscious Becca does an awful lot well Becca does all the editing so she does the like the lion's share of of kind of the um work on our podcast and um I think actually it's important to make sure that we're both doing okay with the balance of things and um and kind of where where that's at so I think that's important for us for our friendship as well Mm, yeah little and often check-ins work work really well yeah my top editing tip would be the proper mental approach and just don't do any (laughs) <laughs> just just throw it out unless someone says like i wish i hadn't said that then of course i'll take it out but other oh, than that, i ah. wish i hadn't said everything i've said in this entire <laughs> entire episode <laughs> well, becca said that she within a few months she now recognizes that what the sound wave looks like for either of us saying um and so she now can see a bit coming where she's going to have to like cut a bit out because one of us has like filled it basically. Um, I was like, that's an amazing skill to have that you now know. Oh, actually, we had my mum on the podcast and this is like the best thing ever. She sent my mum a picture of what the sound wave looks like when my mum says my name. Oh, mate. I know. And I just think that's the, the sweetest thing on the planet. Oh, um, man. Yeah. yeah, that's good. I've decided... I've decided now that if I ever have a tattoo, which I've been saying for years, maybe I will, maybe I won't. Terrified of doing it. Um, If I ever had a tattoo, I would have one of those little audio wave symbols of me saying something important. Yeah, It made me me consider getting that for my next tattoo was my mum, like the sound wave of my mum saying my name, not on my forehead. (laughs) Don't be ridiculous. (laughs) But yeah, I think that might be. um, Yeah, that's lovely. I'm going to get my my kids on. And I think you've just sorted out my wife's uh, Christmas present or... uh, Because, yeah, that's a that's an absolute belter. Uh, guys, thank you so much for joining me uh, this evening. I've had a real, really, really enjoyed it. The Thursday night podcast club is uh, right. yeah. Yeah, it's something I'm very, very fond of. But thank you we'll for your time. You and uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, yeah, I'll put links to everything. I'm a big fan of the, of the of your show. I think it's great. And um, yeah, I'll put links to uh, everything in the episode notes. But yeah, thank you very, very much for your time. I really, really appreciate it. Thanks, Tom. Proper mental podcast. Po-
Please like and subscribe. The Spice Star.